What's shaking? I mean, I feel like we should just get right out in front of this. Uh, yes, this is another episode where we're not interviewing anyone. Get over it, everybody. You can just anticipate hundreds of emails. People are like, why aren't you interviewing anyone? It's season three. I thought we were going to have Judd Apatow on today. Yeah, exactly. He canceled. I can't control that. But let's be honest. Nobody wants to hear anybody talk except us anyway. <laughs> we're doing them all a favor. Yeah, maybe. A news flash for anyone who is actually curious. Not news flash. God, that's so pejorative. I, I, what wait, I really wait, wait, wait. Because you, you're going to say news flash. We're coming off a weekend where there were two mass shootings. The Chinese devalued their currency. The stock market's going bananas. What is your breaking news? Oh, f- Bruh. Bruh. Mm. Bro, there's just dead people on the roads everywhere, bro. Bro, there's dead people on the road everywhere, bro. This event reminds us of the brevity and the uncertainty of life. We never know when we too will be called into eternity. But how do we understand something like this? Why does God allow evil like this to take place? Perhaps that is what you are asking now. There's hope. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We will not fear. I've become an old man now, and I've preached all over the world. And the older I get, the more I cling to that hope that I started with many years ago. God declares, I love you. I know the heartaches and the sorrows and the pains that you feel, but I love you. I take it back. <laughs> not, um, not so breaking news. <laughs> no, not so breaking. Um, no, what I was going to say is have a little patience with us mm. um i am trying to save the world mm. you know one movie at a time mm-hmm. and that's hard mm. no i'm kidding um god i just i have issues what i'm really trying to say is <laughs> that I have been very busy. I'm I'm really in the home stretch of rollers mm. and you know it's August. People go yeah. on vacations. Summer. Everybody takes a break but us. John, yesterday I went to a cabin. Yeah. Up in the Angeles National Forest. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. You drive up this beautiful drive into the mountains. My friend Missy and Amon, uh, Missy owns the cabin. She's dating Amon, who directed Davion, so mm. he's a director. She has this little cabin and it's kind of primitive there's no electricity there's um you know there's no plumbing there's only an outhouse but back in 1908 apparently the national 
forest service or whatever built these cabins to try to get people to come up there and uh you can buy them there's like a little market for it so Hmm. she owns this cabin and you hike about a mile and a half in down this beautiful canyon and then there's this little primitive cabin right on a creek and she hosts uh brunches up there so i did that yesterday that's why we don't have a guest because i was at the cabin were you working on your manifesto you would think so uh (laughs) I would like to go back and work on my manifesto sometime. You should. I've been reading a lot about um, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Mm. And uh, he's a fascinating guy because... um, Remind me of the beats of his uh, his crimes. He's a child... Well, first, starting before that, he was a child genius. He was a mathematical genius. Mm. He went to Harvard. He was, uh, I think, 16 or 17. He went to Harvard for math. He was involved in some very nerd alert, very <laughs> nerd alert. He was involved in some very strange uh, experiments, psychological experiments at Harvard that are pretty well documented where they would have students come in and they would have other older students write psychological profiles of these kids and then rip them to shreds based Whoa. off of these psychological profiles. So Ted Kaczynski would go. He got paid for this. It was like a work study thing. He would go into this uh, classroom and these older, he was a shy nerd, you know, and he's sitting there and unbeknownst to him, he's a part of this. uh, It's not secret, but you know, you know how a lot of times you'll go in for Mm -hmm. a, you know, a psych class or whatever, and they will do a quote unquote experiment on you, you know, right. Come in, watch this video. And then they're judging you based on something else. You know, who is Right. Looks at their phone how many times, whatever it is. So he was involved in this experiment where he would go in there and they would use all of his psychological weaknesses to tear him down and see how he would respond. And this went on for about a year and it had a very, very powerful psychological effect on him. So he left Uh, Harvard. He went and got a PhD at University of Michigan. He became the youngest associate math professor at Berkeley in their history, the youngest professor in their history. Nerd alert. And then he left and he went into his cabin in the woods. Oh, wow. Without electricity. He wrote his manifesto, which the entire point of his manifesto is that technology and the industrial revolution has destroyed the true purpose of humanity. That was his whole push. It was to end the technological advancements that he thought would make us slaves to technology wow he sent bombs that he made out of wood wood he made bombs out of wood he made wood pipe bombs what yeah so he made these bombs he sent them they were why were they wood so they were hard to detect they were hard to detect and some people think it's because he didn't actually want to kill people he did want to damn it do damage he did want to scare people but the thinking is that by using wood as opposed to metal the shrapnel would like be less damaging yes. or whatever. And the explosion inside of it is less powerful because the pressure is less than it would be if it were metal. Mm. So he sent out, I don't know, 10, 20 bombs or whatever to mainly professors and technologists. And the whole point was that he was afraid that we would be living lives where we had computers attached to us all the time. We'd be staring at them all the time. We would lose our true purpose of being humans and we would become slaves to technology, which has certainly happened. Yeah. So what you're saying is, John, mm. that sans bombs 
He was right. You uh, you definitely empathize, sympathize with the Unabomber. Sort of. He is of an extreme left-wing ideology. Sure. You know, which I'm, you know, I wouldn't characterize myself as either, but I don't agree with some of his aims. And I also think that right. technology has made our lives much better. Mm-hmm. And it has made it much worse in other ways. But yeah, you can freely get the book. It's basically an academic paper he wrote. That's what he was. That's why he was sending out these bombs. Also, he wanted the New York Times and other people to publish his paper. And eventually they did, which is how he got caught, because his brother recognized his very unique writing style and turned him into the FBI. Dang, dude, that's so interesting. But he, he writes in there as a for instance about a leaf blower. And he says people in a neighborhood the one guy wants to blow his leaves and the other guy hates that he's blowing his leaves because it's annoying him. But wouldn't mm. it just be better if the leaf blower had never been invented? Now nobody is having this trouble. It's like, well, <laughs> I don't know, man. A leaf blower can be extremely handy if you got to blow some leaves. Right. Yeah. So he was really advocating for everybody to go live in the woods like he was. Um, mm. He had some good points, but overall, nah, not a life I want to live. No, I feel that. I don't want to live in the woods either. I like having access to the woods. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like going out there sometimes. Anyway, I kind of miss the days when, um, well, I shouldn't say this. I wasn't even really cognizant when he was doing his deeds, which are absolutely terrible. I mean, pe- two people died and several people lost fingers or things like that. It's not a pretty picture. It's also, I don't mean to minimize what he did, but speaking of mass shootings, etc., it is kind of insane to what extent our, our tolerance or sort of expectation for mass tragedy has increased. Mm-hmm. Because if two people died and I know who the Unabomber is. Yep. That says a lot about how many people were dying in freak accidents back then. Not freak accidents. It's very much not an accident. Right. In terror, domestic terrorism. Now it's to the point where within two days there are are two mass shootings. And it's like, what? What's your gut? What do you think we should do? I mean, I'm a pretty hard line. Like, it makes... Absolutely no sense that it's as easy to get weapons as it is. Right. I, I think that's pretty pretty easy to agree on. But is there any part of you that agrees with the Second Amendment people about the purpose, the real purpose of guns? Not to hunt, not recreation, but the original intent of the Second Amendment was because of the revolution, they wanted a means to protect the people to protect themselves from a tyrannical government. Do you sympathize with that at all? I guess it depends if we're having a practical or theoretical conversation. If it's practical, I don't care how many guns you have. You're you're not you're not going to defend yourself very well. You know, like if they really want to take you out, they'll send an F-16 and just bomb your house and you won't even know what happened. You say that but we went we, we did battle with Afghanistan, right? And Vietnam, right? That's true. I guess guerrilla warfare is is a tricky... You either nuke the entire place, which would mean nuking America. Right. That's not happening. Or yeah. you go, you do bloody door to door. street by street yeah. battle with these people. I got to tell Gosh. you, I, I don't own a gun. I have fired a gun maybe 12 times in my entire life. I'm not a fan of it, but I am conspiratorial in my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I would never kill anybody. I would I would not be a part of any armed uprising, no matter how bad. Well, I say that maybe if things got really crazy, but I just there is a part of me, though, that sympathizes with people that say that there it is a check on power. We have multiple mm-hmm. different checks of power in our man. I saw a video the other day, people in the hood, right? 
the cops 5-0 show up for whatever purpose and there's a ton of teens in the street and they all have water guns. This was in New York City, dude. And they immediately started shooting super soakers at these cops. Like Whoa. 50 kids in the street. They were just soaking them. Guys were running up and throwing buckets of water on these cops, dude. What? And they did nothing. They got in their cars and they left. Wow. That is crazy. This is New York City, right. and it you know this could the be, power of the people. Yeah, yeah. what are they going to do? They're going to they literally could not have arrested all those people. Maybe one or two, right? But then it's yeah. a you know it's a microcosm in a way. Yeah. Like if if the cops, if you live in Philly in the eighties, where the cops are without a doubt totally corrupt, you know, or Miami when these right. cops are running drugs, there's crazy stuff that has happened where cops in Philly were just going to local businesses, and they caught this on video. A lot of these guys are in jail. They would just go to local businesses and and rob them, straight mm. up rob them. And it's like, dude, if a guy did that and somebody walked in and, and there was guns involved, it might be a different story. Mm. You know, I think there's truth to that. I think, da you know, OK, so in a more theoretical sense, though, mm. I hear what you're saying. I don't think any of that sounds crazy, but I'm just. I'm a little bit of a pacifist. I'm not a hardline pacifist, but I'm definitely a pacifist. Right. You know, I I personally think that I would I, I say this from the comfort of my home. I understand sure. the sort of this, but you know what? We, we people speak in theoretical terms all the, all the time. I think I would um I would probably die uh as a as a as an objector or sort of activist of some kind peacefully before I would engage in an armed mm. uprising. You know, I, I think I would rather let my death speak to the injustice more so than create additional death. That's, that's kind of how I would approach that particular situation. Not because it's right or acceptable for people to die in revolutions, but because I would rather not perpetuate violence i would i would be willing to die in the name of not perpetuating violence further yeah, there are very few instances and you know we've had a, i had a conversation with my kids somebody broke into our car not not even broke into it they just opened the door and rifled through it <clears throat> pretty much every car on our street right and you know they got maybe a dollar and change out of the thing no big deal and my kids and i were talking and they they said uh you should get a gun and they weren't entirely mm. serious. They don't even really know what that means. They're too young, but yeah, of course. I, but they're in the South. They hear that kind of yeah, stuff. Talked yeah, about. or just in America too. You know, protect yourself, get a gun, whatever it is. They they said that to me, and I we had a talk. Like, are you going to shoot somebody over some change in your car? Is that a situation you want to be in? No. You know, if somebody came into my house and is going to kill somebody, then yeah, maybe I would like to have a weapon, but. Have you ever shot a pistol? Mm -hmm. Then you probably know it's very difficult to shoot accurately. Yeah. I don't think people totally understand. So I, I have some, again, back to the practical conversation. You would think that shooting someone 15 feet away from you would be very simple. It isn't, though. My guess is that many people who found themselves in that situation, even if they weren't incredibly nervous and constantly second guessing themselves and terrified for their lives a lot of people would miss mm. without the proper training right. i think a lot of people wouldn't even fire in the first place mm -hmm. 
because they would second guess themselves. And if they're dealing with this, an experienced criminal, that criminal would probably expect them to second guess themselves and would take advantage of that period of time in order to overpower them and take the gun from them. I just think that seems, I'm not saying that is a universal truth. I'm just, that's my gut when I think about sort of human nature. And I've shot guns plenty. I'm pretty good at it, but I'm not great. Most people would say it's even gun activists, I think, do not typically keep guns loaded in accessible position right. p- places because right. it's dangerous but then what's the point of having it for home defense which i think is a, a lot of people's argument obviously that's different than sort of like preparing a militia to defend ourselves against the sure. government which is a different mm-hmm. thing i mean okay let's just run through that scenario let's say the guy's rooting through your car and you do decide to shoot him good luck actually hitting him you know like sure. hitting a running target from 20 feet away is not something that the average pistol wielder will actually accomplish. There is a video that I saw about a year ago. A guy is in his house. He's in an ap- or in his apartment. He's in an apartment complex, and he had a neighbor who had severe mental illness. And this guy snapped. This guy snapped and was walking down the hall, banging on every door. And he had a freaking hatchet in his hands. Yikes! And he's babbling like this guy is not coherent. Right? He's out of his mind. Right. He was schizophrenic or something, and he just completely snapped. And he, you can see this entire video. It's gut-wrenching. The guy is from the position of the, the victim who's in his apartment with the door locked, and he can hear the guy banging on the outside. And he knows the guy, and he's yelling, I'm Fred, dude, you need help. Don't do this. And the guy's screaming incoherently, like, they're coming to get me. And he's banging on the door with the hatchet. And he breaks through, like in The Shining, and the guy is begging him like please don't come in fred like you need help don't do this and he runs at him with the hatchet wow. and the guy drops him man he didn't have a choice like he's about to get a hatchet in the head yeah or he puts a bullet in this guy and um you know no and i understand it, that it's a situation nobody wants to be in and i don't want to be in that situation i want to shoot my neighbor but i also don't want to get killed because some guy isn't on his meds and snapped now saying that i don't have a gun yeah from my position, I would never assume to be able to tell that guy what he should or shouldn't have done. But that makes sense. I mean, that's an understandable situation, but that's also so shockingly rare. It's insanely rare. That something like that happens. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. The other side of this is imagine a dystopian future in 20 years where we get, you know, the new Adolf Hitler in America. And people, for whatever they say about Trump, like I'm talking about some real like round up people and kill them type situation. You know, let's round up all the Jews again. Let's say somebody does that. And you start telling people in Texas as a for instance, hey, go round up all X, Y or Z people. Anybody in the military in America is going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Every single person on that street has a shotgun. There's no way. There's right. no, they're not going to do it. Just mm-hmm. that implicit, the, the status that we have in America of everybody having guns, where I am at least, and in Texas and mm-hmm. other states in the South, it, there, there makes that possibility vanishingly uh, slim. Mm-hmm. Radio Lab did a piece on this. There's a, there's a story of the Black Panthers were part of leading the movement the new resurgence of the second amendment. And there are these famous pictures of mm. these black Panthers standing on the steps of the California state court. And they're all holding like shotguns and rifles. And they were really pushing for this, right? Because they were terrified of corrupt cops 
coming into their neighborhoods and raping well, their women I mean, and killing people. Yeah, I mean, speaking of speaking of black people owning guns, one of my best friend growing up is an NRA member. Well, he's black first of all, but he he's a member of the NRA. He owns multiple guns. He goes shooting all the time. He trains. But dude, the truth is, you know, we were talking about that and I was like, "Devin, why do you need guns? What the fuck, dude?" And he was like, he was like, look, I mean, part of it's just a hobby. I also live in a neighborhood, or he did at the time. You know, he's like, I live in a neighborhood where about half of my neighbors are drug dealers. He's like, I have a decent job. I drive a decent car. I, I look presentable. I look like I might have a lot of money stashed in my house because that's what people do. Because people who deal drugs can't use banks. And so he's like, I look like I would have a lot of money. He's like, I have had my house broken into by people who think I have money and want it. I, do, I have to literally be able to protect myself, and I have to have other people know, to your point, that I'm able to protect myself. That says a lot about a lot of things. It's complicated. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, you know, unequivocally, I do, I do draw a line you know, with assault style weapons, I think that's just absurd. You know, there are things that no, no, to your point about like rounding people up, it's not the knowledge that everybody has uh, automatic firing assault rifles and fucking grenades, which people do have, that is going to stop people from breaking, breaking into their house. Mm. You know, like it, it, there's a line and the offensive capabilities of certain weapons i think are just way too dangerous to put in the hands of normal people and and you know classic argument the, you know back when the second amendment was written it took like 60 seconds to reload a fucking musket you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah true you couldn't mass murder people you had to collectively organize you had to be part of a you know what i mean like it, War was just different. There was no guerrilla warfare in the civil war. There were no automatic weapons, there were no sniper rifles. There were no tanks. There were no bazookas. You know. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. I, I think at the end of the day, I'm not a I'm not like a sort of uh, hardcore anti gun person, but I definitely think that there is a sort of a, a reasonable line. You know, like the NRA sucks, but not everyone who's a member of the NRA sucks. They just have some weird ideas that I don't necessarily agree with, but that doesn't make them terrible people, obviously. What is really sad is the fact that people keep doing this and that and that they have the ability to get the weapons to kill 20 people single-handedly. That's really not good. I don't know what the solution is, but I think it's fair to say something's got to give because this is unsustainable. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, it's just... It's nuts. And every various news sites are pinning the blame. As soon as one of these things happen, it's like immediately find out whether they were a Democrat or Republican. You know, what's their race? What's their background? Mm. Like, how can we use this or how do we have to defend against this? You know, the one guy apparently was a right wing guy. The other guy was a left wing guy. It's like, come on, man. Come on. Mm. You're going to attribute this crazy, broken person to some party to to gain the upper hand either side it's nuts it's so sad well that's yeah i i agree i think that's what that's where things really kind of need to change first is the power struggle is sickening i am so oh man i'm so fed up i'm fed up with like i'm fed up with both parties and 
and just the whole concept that controlling someone you disagree with is a, is is a solution mm-hmm. that is wrong period uh, i barely have anything to add to that it's, it's like, sort of the, it, the founding principle in a way the idea of free speech and the idea of privacy right it's and and, and and everyone's trying to get rid of it you know since like the christian right took over in the 50s and 60s or whatever the in the christian right trying to run the government and then that understandably pissed off the left and now the left is increasingly trying to tell the christian right what to do and i'm kind of like everybody just stop telling everybody what to do and fucking lead by example the reason you have explicit lyric stickers on your cds is because tipper gore was going on some moral panic back in the day and telling everybody that rap music was making kids evil. Even though if you look at a chart, I saw a chart this morning, dude, the homicide rate in America, even with these mass shootings, dude, it is the, it's as low as it was in the 1950s, which everybody thinks about as the most peaceful time in America. And it's almost the lowest it's ever been in our history, in modern history, the homicide rate. It's safer to be an American now than ever. Right. Unequivocally unequivocally you just hear about all this stuff instantly and there's you know a different type of crime going on but the old like 1970s breaking your house shoot you that's not really happening that much definitely in certain parts of the country it is but it's just not the rates are so much less right i i am of the belief that there is systemic racism and that there is personal racism. But I think that ultimately, based on history, it seems as though racism is often secondary to a deeper sense of tribalism that doesn't have to follow along racial lines. Mm. It often does because it's easier to identify people who are of a different Mm. race and other them that way. But I think a general sense of tribalism and xenophobia, it's its part of our DNA. It is historical. You know, Kelly was, she works at a, at a largely Armenian hospital. Ugh, I can't stand those people. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but it was funny because she was, she was joking. There was a bunch of people making jokes about white girls, right. which was fine. She didn't care. And she was like, man, guys, I'm sensing a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of racism here, you know, joking to, I think it was a g- group of Armenian and Filipino and Mexican coworkers, maybe that she was talking to. And cause she's kind of a m- minority at, at, um, at her hospital. Mm. And she just jokingly said that she really wasn't offended. And, um, and th- the, <laughs> one of our Armenian coworkers was like, Oh baby, like, you know, you know, you, you, you white people think, you understand racism. He's like, Armenians are the most racist. Obviously he's not speaking for all Armenians, but he was describing his perspective of Armenian culture. He was like, Armenians are so racist. They're racist against definitely against everyone who's not Armenian. But he's like, we're racist against ourselves. He's like, if you weren't born in Armenia, you're a second class citizen. And all that kind of stuff. If you don't speak Armenian, you're an outcast, like all that kind of stuff. And I just think there's such a, a history of that you know like it, it, if there is someone who looks different than you sure that's easy but i don't think anyone ever stops with that because the reason we have trump in office is largely because white people are racist against every rich powerful white people are racist against everyone who isn't rich white and powerful 
it is important to recognize the fact that people who are not white have an additional set of disadvantages in many cases, depending on where they're born and when and all that kind of stuff. But I also think that race does tend, I, I think racism specifically tends to grow out of a, an even deeper root cause of just not wanting people to be different than you and wanting to control them. Like our friends that live up in Berkeley, the home of progressive thought in a lot of ways. Definitely the, and, definitely the more radical side. Exactly. But the irony is, is that they hate their homeless population. Right. They hate their, it's not very diverse. It's, it's not definitely not socioeconomically diverse, but it's mostly white. And it's this idea that like, People try to embrace the theory of equality without living with the practical side of it. Yeah, it's it's a problem. I mean, the, the Bible talks about this in a way like Jesus. There's a story of the guy who uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. People see this this guy on the side of the road who's been beaten and robbed and is laying there in serious trouble. And two other people walk by him of the ruling class and they do nothing. Right. Right. And the Samaritan, the lowly person in society, stops and helps them. And the the point I always take from that is like peop, most people are shitty. Two out of three people are shitty. Mm. That's always going to be the case in Berkeley, in Chattanooga, in anywhere you get. It doesn't mm. matter if they're saying the right stuff. Like, of course, we love the homeless population. Of course, this is what we should do. Most people aren't doing that. I'm in a church and I was talking to somebody who does a lot of the work in the church. And we were talking about it. And I was like, mm. you and like two or three other people, myself not included, do 90% of the, the quote unquote work of this church. Mm -hmm. That's the case everywhere. Some people that mm -hmm. are just shutting their yap and they're not talking about equality and, and this or that are just going to the homeless shelters, going to the soup kitchens and doing the work. I know people mm. like that here, but most people aren't doing it, even if they're talking a big game like me. Right. There are a few people right. that are actually doing it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about this before, but I love the the verse about the sheeps and the goats in the Bible talking about who it, you could make this more religious than it needs to be or less. And the less religious version is that the real important work of life is not what you say, but actually helping the people in need. Mm -hmm. What you say is almost inconsequential. It's what you actually, mm -hmm. what you actually do. Whatever you do into the least of these, you do to me. And um, that's such a powerful word because all over the country, here, Berkeley, they're totally differing political views, but it's the same thing. Lots of people talking a big game and almost nobody doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll own that too. I mean, I think we, I, I think in a lot of ways, that's what, you know, speaking of another biblical thing you know when jesus says take the log out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in someone mm -hmm. else's i read a really interesting commentary on that that was basically saying the point is not to just simply say stop judging people part of what he's saying is that the path to changing begins with you getting your own shit mm -hmm. in order not just not talking about other people's shit, but getting your own shit out of the closet right. and in order. And 
man, that, you know, I, I made a commitment to myself a couple years ago that, that I would begin attempting that, you know, and not to the isolation, not to total isolation. You know, I still try to help with things and with people and be generous and whatnot. But yeah, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to speak publicly about certain stuff and I'm sort of prompted to in a very specific situation, but I'm, I'm going to really try to like do more than I say. And damn, it's been hard. Mm. It's really hard. You know, it's, it's really hard for me, for example, to be very specific. I care a lot about people who struggle with addiction, Mm -hmm. but man, dude, addicts are a pain in the ass. (laughs) And And I just, anyone who knows addicts, it's just true. Have you seen and, any of this Bam I, Margera stuff? You know, remember Bam no. Margera? From yeah, Jack? yeah, I remember Bam. So yeah, now Jackass, they're all 40 years old, right? And they've all had right. incredibly Broken. crazy drug-fueled, alcohol-fueled lives. But a lot of them now, they're 35 and older, so they're starting to either die or get sober. Right, which is sort of the life of the addict. You know, I heard someone say at one point, someone in favor of safe drug use, and, I, and I'm and i a fan of this. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of it because it's a bummer it exists at all, but the idea of providing spaces and, and medical care for addicts as opposed to just being like, let's put them in jail. It's like fucking stupid because their whole thing was like addicts right. have to hit bottom. It's just a fact. Um they have to hit bottom, and the, and the true lifespan of an addict, I heard it said, is basically all addicts either die or get clean. Right. From their, you know what I mean? Like, there is no sort of long, like, ultra long-term middle ground, especially with harder stuff. It's like they either hit bottom, they either live long enough to hit bottom enough times to finally actually turn around. Or they die before that happens. Right. And so to your point, like, you know, people with more resources and and more opportunities to get saved when they OD probably, which happens to a lot of people, it it provides more opportunities to to do that change Mm -hmm. because most addicts at some point realize it's completely untenable. Anyway, go ahead. Well, so yeah. So Bam Margera. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. So many of the jackass guys, I think one or two have died and uh, the Mm. rest of them are sober, including Steve-O and Chris Pontius. So Bam Margera is not sober and he's having some serious trouble and going very vocally on it on social media and saying like he his push right now is dr phil help me he's like dr phil is the only one i'll trust so he knows he's messed up he knows he needs help but he's also very erratic not trying to go to rehab i don't i can't exactly decipher what's all going on but the thing that was funny about it is that underneath of his crazy instagram videos where he's ranting and seems completely messed up you'll have like steve-o comment Like, hey, brother, (laughs) I love you. Getting sober isn't easy, but you can do it. Like encouraging him. It's kind of nuts because I remember these guys is like sticking toy cars in their butts and jumping off of roofs and doing all this and drinking like bottles of booze, all this crazy stuff they were doing. And now they're they're like they're still crazy, but they're wise, wiser old men. Have you watched much jackass? Not really. I th- I the movies gross. are so funny, dude. <laughs> I was watching, I think it was Jackass 3, yeah. and my mom walked in, and she got so sucked in. At first, she was like, what are you watching? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> 20 minutes later, 
Oh, we were still going. I mean, some of the some of it is just gross right. and stupid, right. and some of it is brilliant. Mm. And it's it's a it's a weird line between the two. But I went to see way way back in the day a middle school musical that not put on by my wife, but another not as good person put this on and the guy goes nerd up alert there. this nerd goes up there and his opening he he had to give an opening talk before this of course middle school which is very unusual and his uh, opening line was there's a fine line between madness and genius and i think i crossed that line what what a pompous asshole man well you know i think we pretty much solved we got it the problems you know, I think I all think we, we did was open these uh, cans of sardines and just leave them out. Kind of like dump them all over the desk right. and just spread them out. Right. Like get some oil all over the keyboard. Yeah. I, you know, I'm open. I think we're both open to feedback. People should reach out. You know, this is the kind of stuff I hope to talk about with our guests. Uh oh. I think this is important stuff. I think it's important to uh, to talk about it and to talk about it sans judgment, you know, because. Um, how are we supposed to figure out what we believe if if uh, if we can't talk about it? Yeah, I, um, I agree. I mean, you you should be able to hear virtually any argument about anything, and yeah, as long as it isn't a guy from Nambla telling you why he should be able to marry seven year olds. Well, but even then, I mean, okay, I'm not saying I might get personally offended by that, but there's virtually no other thing. That, uh, well, there's a difference in that case between acting on it and believing he should be able to do it. If he's acting on it, yeah, put the guy in jail. Sure, fair enough. But if he, but 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 if he's if he's making an argument for why it should be reasonable, well, if there are lots of incredibly sound logical arguments for why it's unreasonable, right, and why it should be illegal, and that argument is worth well. In many ways, that argument has been had. Yep. It's closed. It's done. There are just new arguments that are being had. I think that's, you know, if I had to figure, if I had to sort of sum up where I stand on a lot of these issues, mm. we should have a little more patience with each other and with the general flow of progress in, in, in human history. Because I think people, myself included, you know, I tend to get very apocalyptic mm. about where things are. And as you pointed out, it is a better time, not only in the in America, it is a better time to be alive in the entire world than it ever has been. Mm. And that is worth noting because progress is not instant and it's not pretty. And, you know, is it a bummer that we are still dealing with a lot of the things we're dealing with? Yeah, it is. It's fucked up. We should be further along than we are. But you know what? Things are not as bad as they could be. For instance, let's take like transgender rights in America. Mm. Very complicated issue. Very complicated series of sort of philosophies on it that I don't even begin to completely understand. But what I do know is that it's not reasonable to expect people to adhere to the old way because things change. But it's also not ex reasonable, I think, to expect everything to get figured out instantly and mm -hmm. so that's where it's like if we don't have to control everyone while we figure it out then there's more room i think to figure it out mm. in a lower stakes environment with more time couldn't agree more let's leave it there 
All right, let's leave it there. Uh, real quick, rollers update. I'm still editing. I'm racing ahead. I'm going to do a couple screenings in the next couple weeks. Excellent. I'm hoping to hand it off to sound and, and, and music soon. I'm making a ton of progress, though, dude. I I see the movie coming together. I see no one's watched it in quite a while, which I'm excited about. The next draft that anyone sees is going to feel very different. Yeah, It's starting to feel like the movie I wanted to make. I, I talked about that a little bit last week, but... I can say it confidently. I'm getting to the point where I I think it's taking shape. I'm proud of it. I'm excited. I think people are going to like it. What people seem to like about it is what I like about it and and the stuff that that needs to continue to evolve. We've got a plan for. So, that's the quick update. Do you think that it's possible that rollers could generate controversy where do you think it is on the controversy scale from one to ten say somebody with like a really crazy agenda got a hold of this could they even twist this in a way that it would be controversial it's pretty non-controversial i'd say yeah you know and here's why because i didn't have an agenda when i made it there's this poem that i really like by chuang su who i talk about a lot Mm. it's called the empty boat Mm. if you're crossing a river and there's a boat coming and someone's in the boat and they're going to collide with you. You yell and you scream and you make a big scene about it to try to get them to turn and go the other direction. There's a true confrontation. And if they hit you, game over. You know, you're just like, it, it, it ruins your day. Now, if the boat is empty, you just deal with it. You don't yell at the empty boat. Right. Be the empty boat. Don't come in with intention and, and, and agenda because that's the best way to get people to react to you. And so I think Rollers deals with current topics. It's a racially diverse movie. It has other things like that. You know, one thing that I've mentioned to people, and I don't see this as really even as being part of the marketing of it. I don't really want to market it as like uh, 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 this kind of movie because it kind of isn't. Um, but, you know, it's it's got a very diverse cast. It features African-Americans who own property, which, to be honest, I don't know of a lot of movies that do that. That wasn't what the movie's about, but it's a relevant thing in the in the grand scheme of kind of the social context in which the movie will be released. And my hope is that people engage with that on the level that they want to. But the truth is, I don't have an agenda. And so I think it'd be pretty difficult to twist my quote-unquote intentions because in reality, I'm just trying to portray people who feel real doing things that feel real in a, in a very specific fictional scenario. And um, now does that mean everybody's going to like it? Of course not, but I'm not like trying to take people down, you know, I'm, or even promote an agenda. I'm, I'm really just kind of, I'm trying to be the empty boat. That's an extremely wise concept, but it also shows you that, nothing has changed. If it was possible, yeah. what, in 500 AD or 1500, whenever he wrote this, that he was... Dude, he wrote it in like 400 BC or something nuts No, like really? That. It's freaking old, dude. Whoa. He's so really? old. Well, he wrote that yeah. back then. He predates Zen. Yeah. Meaning that stuff was... Go- ah, shit. I should check People that. were walking around getting offended, getting into arguments about whatever the topics were of the time, just like they are now. Nothing's changed. I agree. I think very little has changed. It's just in terms of what humans are actually dealing with. We have all this technology. We feel super fancy, but no, we're all still fighting about, you know, is the Hong dynasty better than the Ming dynasty, whatever they were fighting about back then, you know? Yeah. It's a good reminder to uh, chill and enjoy your life. Well, I mean, imagine the, um, the Chinese bureaucrats, who were like, why the fuck are we building the wall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know? And the emperor's like, 
because I want to. And they're like, yeah, but we have people who are starving. Why don't we put all these people to work like growing farms and shit? And the emperor, you know, I mean, I have no idea what the history actually was, but I imagine it was very similar to that. It was like, you know, even dude, even thinking about the building of America, I was researching the transcontinental railway the other day and I was like, so many Chinese people died building that thing. And that was like 150 years ago. Progress is real. And it's accelerating. It really is. It's a, it's a, I think it's a very cool time to be alive. It gets me very excited. I think, I think there's a lot of reason to hope. Um, I know the environment's in the shitter, but I think we're going to figure out a lot of things. I think we're going to change a lot of things. I think it's going to be good. I'm excited about young people. I get really invigorated. Everybody's worried about their attention spans and their addiction to social media. But all my friends who are teachers are like, yeah, some of these kids are cray cray, but a lot of them are aware of their addictions to social media. They don't like it. They don't want it. That doesn't mean they're going to fix it overnight, but I sure as hell wasn't aware at all. You know, I just was blindly running into it head first. And I'm more worried in some ways about 30 somethings who are that deep into it than 20 year olds. Cause the 20 year olds are going to figure it out. If you saw a guy walking around with a book all day, reading books, Nobody is saying this guy has a book addiction. I'm positive. No. Well, and everybody's like, no one talks on the bus anymore. And I'm like, yeah, look at a picture from 1920. They were all reading. They're all newspapers, reading. Nobody. You know? Yeah, dude. People are not different. In fact, when the book came out, I'm positive there were some like, you know, papyrus holders who were like, these kids with their fancy books, they don't do anything but read them damn books. Well, but but then again, they didn't have time to read their damn books because they were working the as slaves. <laughs> right. So yeah, things have gotten better. Let's just right, be happy right. about that. Okay, hey, I gotta run. Okay, I know it. Uh, because I'm actually uh, fun update. I'm doing a call about the podcast with Tommy, excellent, and his reps and uh, Bryce, and we're gonna try to figure out a plan for this bad boy. So excellent, uh, I'll keep you posted on it. All right, we'll look forward to it. All right, dog. Well, we'll talk okay. soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.